All right, we are live with episode 13, I think, for Memory Tracks. Um, been a little bit of a break. You know, I kind of was on like a sprint where I did like five over the course of three weeks or something, it felt like, which was a lot of fun. And um, then the holidays hit, and inevitably it's hard to get shit done with holidays. Um, but we're not even halfway through January yet, and I'm bringing it back and really excited to kick 2017 off with um, the guest that I have today. Um, so I've brought on my good friend, Andy O'Connor. Andy, say hello. Hi there. Um, Andy is a great dude. I met Andy through uh, college, probably back in like 2005 or something, uh, or maybe 2006. Six, um, yeah. Six, yeah, because it was the second year that you joined. Yes. Um, the music committee, music and entertainment committee, MEC, at University of Texas here in Austin. Um, which has been the source of a lot of friendships that I've had and Andy as well. Um, with pe- good people that, you know, some of which still live in Austin, we still hang with and kick it. And some of which have been on this show. I can't, uh, you might be the first MEC connection. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's special. Um, yeah, it's cool. Uh, and yeah, I mean, so I'll give, I don't think, I didn't tell you this up front, but some context to that, um, you know, a lot of my friends that I met through the music committee and um, uh, that, and then there's this other way that I know you as well, music related through a long-standing Facebook thread um, with a whole group of, you know, a lot of music critics and music journalists and things, and then other people like myself that just really like music um, that are constantly debating albums of the year and things like that. Um, you know. The, these groups of people that I know through these connections um, are really good friends beyond music. Um, and when I first started this podcast, I, I have to admit, I was a little bit like, like I knew I wanted to interview essentially all of these friends and connections mm-hmm. through that, but a little intimidated in the sense of you guys. Uh, I really look up to your music tastes, your ability to talk about music. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's, your passion and your profession um, in what you do uh, as a music journalist. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where when you interview somebody, you want to feel knowledgeable and feel like you can contribute and riff and things like that. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly love music and am and, and proud of what I know about music, but um, I really look up to you in your taste. And so to kind of break that and, uh, bring you on and have this conversation. I've really been looking forward to it and was super excited that you said that, Thanks. yeah, I want to come on. Thanks. Um, yeah. You, sh- you shouldn't feel too like super intimidated because yeah. a bunch of us are just a bunch of fucking nerds, <laughs> you know? Well, and you don't, you guys don't, I don't get that there's any sort of, there's no thing that you've ever said or felt that way to where actually like it's nothing, it has nothing to do with you. It's my own psyche of like getting in my own head about, you know, feeling confident. And I think I've gotten better about that and this will be, fun for me to do and challenging in, in that way as well I think um, because you've thought about this kind of stuff for so long but that being said again we revisit this in every episode and I talk about how um, it is important to me as I do this and have these conversations it's not just about being a big music fan and some of the people that I brought on um, you know describe themselves in various ways as to being big music people or not it is about just like the connection to the music and that doesn't necessarily mean that you are an expert on being able to talk to it. In this case, you are. Um, but uh, Or I pretend to be. 
And it's you know you you've got it. We'll get to that later, but it's validated online in multiple sources. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Um, no, I think uh, it's it's been really cool. Um, I guess uh, rather than have me talk about it, tell um, just so people who don't know you. I mean, you are a music journalist. You you do this in a lot of different capacities. You've written for several outlets and stuff. Maybe you'll just like tell me a little bit about how you, or unless this is going to spoil the show for some of the, the songs later. Like, tell me what kind of brought you in, like when you knew that you wanted to do that. Um, I mean, my first real foray into journalism. I mean, I'd done stuff for like my high school paper, which is like really not noteworthy. Yeah. Um, I sort of uh, stayed away from it for a couple of years, first two years of college, mm-hmm. and then. I was kind of mad that the Daily Texan didn't like write about the metal stuff that I wanted to, that I wanted yeah. to write about and wanted to read about. So I was like, instead of complaining, I was like, well, I was gonna apply and do this, and that's um, that is sort of the. Uh, it's funny. Um, do you know that? folk musician Jess Williamson yeah yeah she was the one who called me to say that I got on the paper okay so if you ever have any sort of disagreements or beefs uh-huh. with me you can blame her <laughs> you can you can blame you can blame her for my entire career as a music journalist that's awesome I think I met Jess through either you or through Ramon, through Ramon and MEC stuff back in college and yeah, that's hilarious. I didn't realize that that she was the one that brought you into the fold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she she was in a way. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for that fateful phone call, you, I mean, who knows what I'd be doing? Yeah, I'd I'd probably be living a uh, a living a happy, stable life <laughs> with with a loving family. Well, you never know. And uh, instead of getting paid to to talk about <laughs> Slayer, you know. Yeah, well, I'm I'm grateful, and I think many people would. Uh, would share that sentiment for what you do. And for me, um, I guess another like introduction is, you know, I think when I first met you, um, you know, it's, you were the metal guy. Um, and over, I've, people have called you like heavy metal Andy and things like that. Death metal Andy. Yeah. And over the years as we've gotten to be better friends and things like, you know, I think that's one of those things And I don't know. I'd be curious, like your own thoughts on this. I think, I know you now as Andy. You're my friend. Yeah. Uh, I know that you love heavy metal music, but it doesn't necessarily define you. You're you're a complex person with all sorts of interests, and um, musically, your palette is insanely diverse. And I mean, there's things that you rock that I'm like, Heck yeah. Like I mean, I think you are the most knowledgeable, like screw DJ screw master, um, and just kind of Houston rap sound that of anyone that I know, um, and. Then there's there's other th- musicians and stuff that there's shows going on and like I've never seen you so like Crystal was it Crystal Castles you were so hyped for um, back yeah, in the yeah. day and I was like oh shit this is awesome you know like you you're not just the metal guy even though you happen to be very knowledgeable about it you love it and you can write insanely well about it in a world where there's not near as much attention on that um, and I've always really respected that about you. And then when you sent over kind of the three songs that you were going through today, I was really pleased because I think that it paints that window of how your tastes branch out into different things and there's thematic overlaps and things, but uh, I can't wait to kind of 
dissect it with you. Yeah, I mean, the, the challenge is only picking three. Like, yeah. I could have done, like, even ten yeah. would have been impossible. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we might have to do a part two. I don't know. Hey, hey, I'm down. Yeah, yeah I mean. We'll come I'm, back to that for sure. Yeah. It's funny, like, a lot of people will cheat and interject so if you have a couple you want to make mention to that you can kind of tie into the narrative mm-hmm. i won't get mad at you we won't edit it out sure sure <laughs> but uh, you know it's it's like uh, you know um talking about you know how you know people think of me as like a metal dude i mean i think of myself pretty chiefly like that but um metal to me is more than just a you know like style of music that i'm really yeah. like, passionate about it's sort of a life ethos for me yeah you know you know you know, being passionate, you know, Mm -hmm. integrity, you Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. not, not compromising. Those are things that are very important to me. So I like things that I like that are not metal. I think of them like as being like tangential or like fitting into what I, you know, see myself as a metal head. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Do you think like when I think about that too, I think about the overlap in the way that people would talk about like punk in the eighties, uh, where it was like, the word punk now means, you know, whatever <laughs> it means. But then you look at like punk music and it wasn't just like the Sex Pistols. They were the punk label to that point became like kind of a lifestyle and uh, an ethos and things like that. Would you say that that's kind of similar? Yes. Um, and I and more so than I used to. Um, punk is, you know, the, the ethos part of it has become part of what I am. But I just sort of absorbed that into my greater sort of metal ethos yeah. for, you know, doing things your own way. Yeah. Yeah. And in, 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 I do see the similarities. Um, I'm, I'm not a guy who's, um, I'm not a guy who just has like bands he's listening to when he like gets home from work. Like right. music is not an escape for me. It's mm-hmm. a way for me to better understand myself, better understand the world, you know, help me feel deep, deep, deeper just as a person in general, yeah. like, you know, discover sides of me that I never thought I knew right. um, and strengthen those that, I already have, which is my justification yeah. for still listening to Master of Puppets and the Rain and Blood, like, yeah, yeah. 15 years on. <laughs> I think I've been a metalhead for about 15 or 16 years now. Like, yeah. that's, I mean, I'm not 30 yet. I'm almost there, but it's, it's crazy to think about yeah. how it's defined pretty much my life. And it's, I'm like, you know, I still have a lot of it left to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's really like, um, like lighting up inside. I feel like this is going to be a long one, <laughs> um, but I'm just thinking about because, uh, ad- another like self-serving goal of me doing these podcasts, uh, is to get to know my friends better. And I mean, we've talked a lot about music and things like that. And I think this is kind of like, this is a differently framed conversation for our friendship that, I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. If that's that doesn't make you uncomfortable, but no, that's great. Um, that's great. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, like, I'm fascinated with uh, how you package that up for yourself and how you think about that and how that becomes like a driving force for your character and for w- what you want to accomplish and how that's been there. Um, I find that really inspiring, and I think that a lot of people that I brought on, most people have had similar experiences of kind of talking that out and it's kind of cool to just put it out there put it on record and think about it and do it um 
So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, you, there's that corny expression, like, you know, when people are like, you know, oh, music is my life. You know, you yeah. think about, like, someone who gets, like, <laughs> some sort of, like, instrument, like, you know, note tattoo, you know, yeah. and when they're in choir. <laughs> the Chili Peppers ask Yeah, it. yeah, or, you know, they're, like, in a cappella in college and they don't do anything afterwards. But, right. you know, music is my life. Yeah. Like, it's, it's really helped define who I am, and I'm not going to shy away from that like i don't find it just entertainment i mean it, it's i certainly derive a lot of pleasure from of it course, yeah. you know otherwise like i i don't listen to bad music but yeah, yeah um yeah. but it, it is it is a huge driving force for me and, and almost kind of an ideology in yeah a way. yeah i think and i mean it's very obvious when when i think anybody meets you even for the first time like that comes through even if it's not explicitly discussed but yeah, I mean, it's. I always enjoy being at a show and seeing you and like, oh shit, yeah, Andy's here. Of course he's here. Um, or I also enjoy um, getting teased by you later for going to shows that you weren't at because you think the bands are shit. <laughs> 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 That's also fun too. Yeah. Um, well, cool. Well, I guess with that, we can um, we should jump in and uh, hit the the first song. You ready? Yes. So um, this song is by a band called Kix, K-I-X. And the song, the title of the song is Don't Close Your Eyes. Here we go.
Don't Close Your Eyes by Kix. That's a cool song. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard it before. I didn't know Kix at all. I did the research, so I know a little bit now. But um, tell me tell me about it. How'd you, how'd you hear of them? Um, so me and my friends, we would uh, watch... Um, back when VH1 Classic didn't have commercials, it had very few commercials, before it became just a front for Eddie Trunk and his illicit, illicit operations. Um, we late at night, you know, after we would drink a bunch on the weekends at our house. This um, is in Galveston. Right? Galveston, Galveston, yes, yeah. Which we share origin stories in. Yes, you, you were born in Galveston too. <laughs> like, Galveston, you you, you I, got yeah. out while you could. I did. Yeah, yeah thankfully, <laughs> I, I had to suffer a whole eighteen years. And yeah, and it, yeah, it, um, it, it it it's made me appreciate um, life in that you when you when you see how people waste their lives, it inspires you to yeah. go on. Anyway, it so is, yeah. we would we would watch this um, show Metal Mania on VH1 Classic. It was like a late night block of 80s like metal music videos. It was mostly a lot of like, you know, popular like hair metal sort of stuff mm-hmm. like Poison, Twisted Sister, Bon Jovi, that sort of thing. And even though like I was like a, I was really hardcore into um, like 80s thrash metal, mm-hmm. like Metallica is like my favorite band of all time. Right. Slayer have been endlessly inspirational for me. Um, Megadeth is also a big part of it. And I was also getting a, like death metal at that time. Groups like Morbid Angel mm-hmm. and um, Carcass and gr- groups all that nature. I still had an appreciation for that, that sort of lighter side right. of the metal the equation. Kind of yeah. It's, yeah. I consider myself a, um, a hair metal poptimist <laughs> in that I, I think that, hair metal sort of gets unfairly maligned. Um, I mean, yeah, a lot of it is, you know, just big hair. Did you, you know, coin on, that on, term? Um, I coined hair metal pop. Poptimist is a, uh, it's, it's a well-worn uh, m- music I, journalism yeah. uh, <laughs> sort of term. It's um, a poptimist is, is someone who um, not only, um, finds value in pop music but will elevate it to yeah. you know almost like it's whatever you would think of as like you know like yeah. still high music value yeah yeah like music. like it has a lot of artistic value i which, like that yeah i like that term a lot yeah it's a it, it's caused a lot of debate amongst my circle to say the least you know it's so it, it's probably nice that you're out of it but yeah. I, could, I could go on about music crit circle jerking like all day and this podcast would be like three hours and, and i don't think you will your listeners want that so yeah um i've yeah i've always been fascinated with hair metal um because it's 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 this um, fusion of pop sensibilities, but but also performance and technical knowledge. I mean, it does take something to shred, mm-hmm. and it does take ability to to have those sort of like high sort of vocals. Like yeah. that requires a great deal of ability, and I've always respected that, especially when it's got some solid hooks attached to it. Like yeah. that's. That's uh, something I respect a lot. This song in particular has a, um, 
interesting connection with me. Um, one night, me and a couple of my friends were watching <laughs> Metal Man. It was just late at night, you know. That's just what we did, like, late high school, early college. Um, one of my best friends used to have a pretty bad drug problem, and it was getting to the point where it was causing a huge rift in our French in our friendship. Like, that was sort of the big crisis for me, like, freshman year of college was... And part of sophomore too yeah. um, was that I was losing my friend to addiction, and that yeah. was that was really shitty. And um, so, me and one of my friends, we were gonna meet up with him and confront him about it. Be like, mm-hmm. "Hey, we're like really worried about you and all, all that stuff." And <clears throat> so. This video comes on, the video for Don't Close Your Eyes mm-hmm. comes on right before um, we're about to leave, which is kind of prophetic because the um, unlike a lot of hair metal ballads which are normally about like lost romance and more lost romance yeah. <laughs> and trying to keep up with all that. Right. This is a explicitly anti-suicide song and it was kind of an eerie notion because we felt like our friend was killing himself. He was on this path towards self-destruction. And I remember, um, we're about to leave and you know, that part where the wind chimes come in Mm -hmm. before the solo that one of that part comes in and one of my other friends who was like drunk, he wasn't going to go with us. Like he's too drunk. He starts laughing his ass off. So I always associate that part <laughs> with, with with like a weird like duality of like, okay, I gotta go, you know, have a serious conversation with my friend that they're fucking their life up and they, right. you know, need to quit because it's it's ruining our friendship. And on the other hand, you know, my buddy here, I don't know if he cares about it at all. He's just laughing his ass off about fucking wind chimes. Wind chimes. <laughs> yeah, so that's that song more so than most other ballads has has a special connection for me. Yeah. And I like the really dark ballads too. Mm-hmm. Like not the ones just about romance. Just for romance, yeah. Yeah. There's one um well this one I'm about to bring up is about romance, but that Cinderella song Nobody's Fool. Mm-hmm. It's 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 very uh, there are few encapsulations of sort of male arrogance and bitterness than that song mm-hmm. because it's, you know, the guy's like, you know, like, I forget what who Cinderella singer is. I Fred Corey, I think I probably got that name wrong, but he's but he's very just like, you know, like, I don't need you like I'm, I'm not your fool, like yeah. sort of like I'm a. I'm like, I'm going to be strident and confident, get out of this relationship. But, and I, I've had these moments too, and they always end with me being even more depressed than I began with yeah. when something like that falls apart. So I know that feeling too well. And that's um, another dark ballad. I'll get back to kicks in a second. Yeah. Um, this um, obscure group, Crimson Glory, they have a song called Lonely. And it that too is about um, isolation and self destruction. It's really dark. I mean, it's it's got a killer vocal performance and lead work, but it's also super depressing. Yeah, yeah. Does it mask? It's because like some. I mean, the whole flamboyance and bombast of hair metal. 
I could see that it kind of like masks the message in the sense that you listen to it like, yeah, it's another song. Like this one, I mean, you know, if you were just, if it was on the radio in the distance and weren't paying attention, you would probably put it into the bucket of your typical ballad. Yeah, um, certainly. But then when you actually go back and read the lyrics, you're like, oh, I see what's going on here. Like this is yeah. a pretty deep song talking yeah. about some pretty serious shit where there's an actual vulnerability that's being communicated in the content that you wouldn't expect. Yeah. And that, that, yeah, there, there's a, there's a, you're right. There's a vulnerability to it. And, um, that's, and it's not just like a cheesy romantic vulnerability. Yeah. It's like, this is some real shit. Yeah. It's like, Hey, I, I don't want you to kill yourself. You know, you, right. you, you mean a lot to me. I don't want that to happen to you. Right. Yeah. Um, Metal has like this sort of weird relationship with vulnerability because what attracts me to it is sort of that sort of larger than life sort of bombastic of it, you know, right. like intense speeds, like intense soloing, you know, intense lyrical content. And in a way that sort of like it's, it's a mask for like, um, you know, like you don't want to admit that, you know, you just got dumped or whatever. Right. But it can also like it's a way to illuminate the certain situation in a way that being like, you know, upfront may not like it's, it's another way to, to do that. So metal has, it's, it's kept me honest. It's helped keep me yeah, honest in a great. lot of ways. Yeah. 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 Like we were talking about earlier, like it defines who I am. Like, right. and I'm, and I'm not wearing a mask. I mean, I, I do put on an appearance, you know, if you follow me on Instagram, like, <laughs> you know, it, it just seems like I'm just eating fried food and going to shows all the time. But no, I'm, I'm like everyone else. Like I get, you know, sad about stuff and yeah. I have bullshit to deal with. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. uh yeah. And earlier when I said that, like you're more than just metal, I didn't necessarily mean to discount how important metal is. To you. Oh no, yeah. no, I, I know. I know. Yeah. 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 It's, it's yeah. It, there it's, yeah, this is key. This is good. This is good. Yeah, pe- um, pe- people say that I can be intimidating when I first meet them, which I don't know how I get that impression, really. You have a very deep voice. Mm, yeah. Like yeah. Uh, my friend Chris, who was on an earlier podcast, Chris Wright, you, I think you met him a couple times. Yeah, he was talking about he, Flipper, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah. Ha, 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 yeah. Um, it was, uh, he has a similarly, like, very deep, booming, present voice. And, you know, I think that's when you first talk to someone and it's like, hello, you know, it's just... That. But I, I, I think you are one of the warmest people that I've ever met, and I think that comes through as soon as you start talking to you. So. Yeah, thank you, thank um, you. Well, so with Kicks, like this was kind of their big one hit wonder, but then they still go on to have like a pretty successful. Like, yeah, they're, they're still going on. Album. I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I think they just put out an album like one or two years ago that actually got some decent reviews. Like nice. even like my friends who don't know listen to this stuff, like we're like, yeah, this kick sounds like really good. Cool, I was yeah. like, mm, okay. I think yeah. that the new iteration doesn't have the like bassist who wrote a lot of the old stuff or something. So mm. I don't know. But yeah. I did like I was reading the personnel names and uh, the guitarist name nickname I guess is 10 out of 10. <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> kind of awesome. Yeah. I mean, if, if, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's that cockiness that makes it essential. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, you, you're not gonna, you know, get, get the chicks by, you know, just playing some like t- <laughs> slow 12 bar blues sort of thing. Like you got to go fast. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. You got to like, you know, turn it up to 11 that, that old adage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was laughing. Like, so I was like, it's kind of funny that he did 10 out of 10 
And you know, at one point he probably considered, should I go with 11 out of 10? Yeah. But then like Spinal Tap probably ruined that for him. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. well, should we go to the next song? Um, no, like no, there's, okay, there's, 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 yeah. there's like one more Bring point that I, um, well, this song, in, like this song is sort of my fascination with metal in my youth Yeah, was sort of this weird thing for me because I didn't listen to a lot of contemporary music when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't like once people was like, I don't like music today. Like I wish I could have lived in the eighties. It was just that stuff naturally resonated with me more than, you know, all like the modern rock shit coming out at that right. time. Right. And it's, it's sort of just like this weird, like contradiction where now I do listen to a lot of contemporary music mm-hmm. and part of my role as a critic is I, you know, I have to keep up. Yeah. Like I'm supposed to be contemporary, Yeah. yeah. but I wasn't like that when, I was younger. I was more like fascinated with the spirit of the eighties, yeah. a decade that where I was like, I was born in 87. So I didn't really right. experience for myself and I'm trying to capture that, but make it, you know, part of my sort of modern existence. Yeah. I yeah. do feel like that all those bands they had, there's a special sort of air to it that I mean, there, there's a lot of, great modern metal out now like i think metal is um sort of the the premier sort of guitar music for our time yeah in terms of creativity maybe not sales like yeah yeah in in the sense do you mean in the sense of what metal guitarists are doing are actually moving things forward versus other more conventional guitar stuff coming yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Just more of what's already been done. Yeah, yeah. I do feel like they're, yeah, for as far as guitar music goes, I feel like metal is, is pushed, still pushing it in ways that like indie rock isn't, or, yeah. you know, that hardcore does, but n- not as much. Um, metal does have a bit of more of a emphasis on composition, mm-hmm. which I think, um, adds to um it, it, it helps that helps the the creativity side of it, it helps that the boundary put like yeah i'm sounding really tangled but no you, no no you, you, makes get, sense. you get makes sense. what i mean um yeah that's cool yeah yeah it's it, i'm glad to know that all my days of watching metal mania late at night you <laughs> <Paid> know <off. laughs> you know paid off like you know watching all those like like videos from like vixen and autograph yeah. they, they would throw in slayer testament every right. now and then but it was mostly like the, the harris i'm glad that that's not all going the ways that i can so since you are are in touch with all aspects of it, do you find like do you meet and interact with younger people who have a similar passion for metal? Mm-hmm. Um, that like do they go back and do they listen to these types of bands or is it dismissed as kind of jokey in a certain point in time? Like does the hair metal optimist resonate for people who are even farther removed from that time period? Um, I think so. Yeah, because hair metal definitely was a product of its time. Right. I mean, a, a lot of a lot of music is, and that's that's not like a diss against it. But I mean, you know, like if Prince was around mm-hmm. in the early seventies instead of coming up in the late seventies, his music would be a lot different. Right. Um, and that that's that's not to slide him. It's 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 just you know 
Everything's a product of its time. It's just some things tend to, I guess, last better than yeah. others. Like, it's what I'm talking about. It's like, yeah, I mean, I still listen to Metallica and Slayer because they have that spirit of the 80s that's not be captured again, but it's also timeless. Like, it still resonates a lot with me. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Cool. Cool stuff. Yeah. Next one? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, this next one um, is wordless, but. Uh, I, I hadn't heard this song. I hadn't heard of this collaboration album. Uh, I'm not... The, so it's a, it's a Brian Eno collaboration with Harold Budd. The song's called Still Return. I was going to say something about it, but that's what I'm supposed to do after we listen to the song. Right. So we will move on to the next song, and uh, here we go, Still Return. Thank you. 
still return, Harold Budd, Brian Eno. Before we jump in, did you know that Brian Eno made the Windows startup sound? Yes. <laughs> yes. And apparently they commissioned him to do it, and he did it, and then he was like, uh, what did he say? He said, uh, I've never used a PC before. I don't really like them. I'm a Mac man. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's so awesome. Yeah. So anytime someone criticizes people for selling out, just remind them, well, but Brian Eno created the Windows sound. Yeah, I mean, you know, music is a hard industry to survive yeah. in. I mean, you you gotta get by yeah. any way you can. Like, I don't, I, I don't begrudge Eno for taking some money from Microsoft. I mean, <laughs> it's probably like a drop in the bucket, you know, for right. Bill Gates anyway. So it's right. like, you know, it's like, it's like if I handed you like a ten dollar bill. Like, I don't know how much Eno got paid exactly, but I'd imagine it's pretty similar. I bet he got a decent. Yeah, that's funny. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So tell me, tell me about this song. Um. I have a pretty um, strong fascination with electronic music in addition to metal and especially ambient mm-hmm. electronic. Um, I was not really, well, I, I've, I've had a sort of weird relationship with electronic music um, previously. Um, a lot of the, the um, groups that I got into when I was first getting into music were like electronic tinged rock, like there was that, do you remember that band Orgy? Mm-hmm. Yes, they were one of my first favorite bands. Yeah. And the first song I heard from them was their cover of Blue Monday. And oh, I remember that. for a <laughs> yeah. while, I liked that version better than the New Order version. It's probably only been within the past few years where that's that's flipped for me. But, um, and and then leading on, um, I was really into ministry in high school with, a, you know, combined the industrial and the metal right. and, uh, and nine inch nails. Right. Um, but I could never really get into like just straight electronic music. Um, yeah. I didn't really like any sort of dance sort of stuff. Like I thought it was, um, kind of wimpy. It mm-hmm. was, it was a lot of, um, sort of like, um, like I, I'm not homophobic, but it was still kind of a homophobic attitude where I thought, you know, like in high school, I'd probably say like, oh, that's gay or whatever. And right, like right. in now it's uh, now I'm a lot more into that stuff. It has the same qualities that I find in metal, which is sort of that sort of intensity and sort of that way of, you know finding your your inner self right and if there is a commonality to all the music that i listen to i was like really intense music that brings out some whether it's like heavy in sound or just brings out a lot of emotion right. um right that's sort of the prerequisite for me is that it's probably going to crush me yeah 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 that's what that i mean i listen to lots and lots and lots of different things but i just like music that's intense and passionate where it comes you know from from deep within like yeah. I'm, I'm not into middling music like it's it's just it's, it's an insult to me it's a waste of time like right. you look for the purpose within yes how much of that has to do with because it's interesting for i think about for you and your connection um to music particularly like contemporary stuff since you're in the industry and you actually interact with many of the musicians that you love um through interviewing them and uh, or reviewing the records and things. Um, so you kind of have an even enhanced lens of the personal connection to 
the songwriters themselves and the meaning that comes out of that. How much do you think that changes things for you versus somebody who doesn't have that? Or does it enhance? Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Oh, it totally enhances it for me. Like if, if I'm able to get into like a musician's head and then like, you know, like get into like a, you know, why they made that song a certain way, it enhances my appreciation for it. Right. And if like, if I like review record, I really like, like I get it, like, since I have to listen to it a bunch, you know, right. I, I find a, a huge appreciation for it. I have to not listen for, for a month, you know, just to give it a break, but yeah. I do find a deeper appreciation for what they, yeah. So it totally enhances it for me. Have you ever connected? And I know I'm driving you off different tangents. I want to, I'll, we'll get back to the song specifically yeah, yeah, here yeah. in a second, but, um, have you ever been in a situation like you connected with a song on a personal level where you felt that intensity and that emotion, and that purpose for it, its content, and then you met the or you interviewed or you came to understand where the artist was at and found that it was vastly different? And did that change things for you? Did you still retain what it meant to you despite the fact that you knew that it was different or? Or is it less about that and just more about the fact that, like, hey, it's meaningful? And it's um, I would say it, 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 it just, it just deepened my perspective of it. Yeah. yeah you know, sort of getting a, getting a better understanding of what they're coming from. Right. Just, it just sort of hits my understanding. And even, even if I don't, like, even if my interpretation is different from, like, what they actually meant, you know. Right. It still works for me. Cool. Yes. Yeah. yeah because, you know, no, no, no two listeners really hear the same thing, really. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, and that is what makes the connection powerful is because it becomes personally you, which obviously, like, you're you. Nobody yeah. else is, so you can't share the exact replica of that. Yeah. It becomes something bigger for you. Yeah. So going back, um, the, the commonality of, you know, me just being into really intense music. And in music, I mean, it's it's what I listen to to relax, but it's still intense, like, like it's it's um it's intensely gorgeous yeah like the sort of the beauty of it if it's what is what really is can be intimidating but mm-hmm. also really rewarding and um i feel like a lot of people that i know are more into eno's like pop stuff like you know um here come the warm jets like another mm-hmm. green world mm-hmm. and those are great albums but i am more into his ambient works like ambient 1 ambient 4 pearl Ambient 2, which is another collaboration with Harold Budd, um, discrete music. Like, those are the Eno albums that I really like, where he, like, it, like he, he kind of invented ambient music in a way. Yeah. And he's still the master yeah. of it. Yeah. It's just sort of that, in sort of that, 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 like, overwhelming beauty that yeah. I find really, re- really awesome. And that's, I probably listen to ambient almost as much as I do like metal or like yeah. hip hop. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. I was, um, you know, I, I, I knew, you know, I, I knew, you know, from Roxy and talking heads and, um, his David Byrne stuff that he's done and there's things, of course. And then, I mean, yeah, anyone who knows music, like, you know, you know, yeah, <laughs> <Of course>. yeah. <laughs> you're, you're aware he exists. You're aware he's important. You know, his music, maybe you know a lot of his music, but, um, Harold Budd, I didn't know it all. I certainly didn't know this record, didn't know the song. So I was reading up on Harold Budd, and, you know, for the listeners who aren't familiar, like, essentially, he's kind of like a composer out of California, um, started getting the electronic stuff, and it was cool to read, like, quotes from him, because he talks about how he challenged himself to basically, like, 
he spent like three or four years of his early career basically reducing and minimalizing his music take after take up until it became so minimal that it was basically there was no there's no amount of minimalization that he could progress to so he essentially stopped and yeah. then he kind of like woke back up and he it sounds like he went through various and this record comes in the midst of that it's not the end it's not the beginning for his career from what i understand um, and then he comes back and he's like, you know, I gave up music because I was in a dark place and decided that um, I just needed to be, I had taken it as far as I could. And then he kind of came out of that dark place and decided to get back into it and do different things. It wasn't all minimal. It was interesting take because for me, I like electronic music. I like ambient stuff. Um, and there's certain things and songs and stuff that I really connect to, but I'm so, uh, I have so much to learn from it. And I feel like I do too. Yeah. It's it's easy to I think for like a casual listener to listen to ambient stuff. Be like, I mean, that's cool. It makes me feel good. But like, I don't remember anything about it. I'm not paying attention. I don't understand what the point of it was. And it sounds like they just hit some random shit and record it. Um, but then when you read this, like, I mean, the description of how he talks about doing this, and I'm sure you know, similar in all ambient stuff. It's very thought out in the same way that like. Um, an artist who goes through 500 iterations of the same work and there's 500 versions of paintings that they've done and it's reduced and changed in different ways until it ends up at the final project. Like to think about that in the composition of coming up with something like what we just heard blows my fucking mind. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it's in, um, like people don't think of ambient music as particularly memorable music, but one reason I chose this song in particular is cause like, it's just got a like, that sort of melody, if you will, is really memorable to me. Like just yeah. sort of those, the way that, that it builds piano sort of like slowly, you know, progresses and how, Eno treats it. Like that's memorable to me. That's yeah, something that's totally. stuck with me. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like, it's like good pop music or good metal yeah. music. It's, it's, it's memorable. It's not always about words. It's yeah. about the entire product. Yeah. And it's funny too. Cause listening to that, I think about, one of the, and I could be way off base for this, but I think um, I hear a lot of like Deaf Heaven. <laughs> and, the, and, and that extends to probably a whole lot more bands that I'm not familiar with and styles mm. of music. Not that they're the only ones to do that, but you know, when you think about, again, back to the like, you love heavy metal, you love metal music, how could you love ambient? It is, there's so many overlaps in that sound. And you hear that, and like, I hear that like, loud wall of sound distorted kind of like things that still has like a conductor behind it in different ways it's so it's so obvious the connection yeah yeah the here. the first time i heard um burzum he's um one of the um progenitors of norwegian black metal mm -hmm. um and also a kind of kind of a uh he's a very bad person he's gotten some yeah he's he's he's, he's actually murdered people like yeah, yeah what, what, like you know what what you know people complain about you know kanye going on rants about trump it's like well <laughs> that's nothing <laughs> compared to what some of my favorite musicians have done but no it's like first time i ever heard burzum like it it was described to me as metal but it's a lot of like repetitive guitar that's very like washy. It was kind of like a fuzzier version of My Bloody Valentine. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. it, it worked as totally. ambient music for me. It was like ambient music with metal instrumentation. Right. And something that I that I've connected with with Eno too, like 
in his ambient work where I have like made it, you know, compatible with my metal is I think both of them like really good electronic music. I mean, people think it's soulless, like it's about machines, but mm-hmm. it's finding, you know, the soul within the machine. It's, yeah. it's making those like, like human imperfections, you know, bent, like bending the machine to your will. Like right. that's something that I, a lot of electronic music I listen to, um, that's sort of the common thing of it. And metal is similar in that metal could not have existed without industrialization. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, it's, it's like based off of super loud guitar, right. you know, and, but metal in a way, something that, um, one of its chief, um, reasons that I am still fascinated with it is because it's very sort of, heady thought out music Mm -hmm. um but it's also like connects to that sort of like more like just more animalistic side of man and metal to me is you know using all of this like sophisticated machinery and like industrial technology to to sort of return to a like more primal state one that is still you know has a lot of musical merit um but it, it has that that wildness to it. Right. And electronic and ambient music and electronic music is similar for me in that it's finding the humanity within, you know, these machines that can be oppressive if you let them be. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's good. Uh, yeah. It's a good, just, not, not justification, but it's a good kind of like, so you think you understand it, but think about it this way. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I remember this this record um was big for me, the Pearl, and this song in particular. Right. Um, the first half of 2012 was not great for me. Yeah. I had ended a long relationship mm-hmm. um that had gone on a little bit too long. There was a lot of bullshit there, and I like, moved back in with my parents, you know, mm-hmm. typical millennial shit. And I was like feeling really lost and I didn't know like what the hell was I going to do? Like, how am I going to get back to Austin? How am I going to like, or not even get back to Austin, like just find some self-worth. Right. So I would find myself sort of just consumed with like self-hatred and anger and all that, all that shit. So I would listen to this album a lot when I would go to bed to like, calm me like to bring me to a more tranquil state i mean yes it's intense but you know it doesn't like amp me up it's like it's it's it's, it brings me to like a uh sort of a dreamy equilibrium yeah yeah so i would listen to this album a lot when i would like try and go to sleep you know to you know try and like quell a lot of my anger to you know at least wake up with a fresh head or try to at least and i remember i listened to a lot of like Ambien Eno and his Bud Collapsers in particular when I was in grad school. I had a in grad school. I went to Northwestern for three months. Mm-hmm. Didn't work out. I be the journalism industry it's it, it wants people in a certain way and I'm not that sort of person. Right. That that's the extreme cliff notes versions of it. Um and I would find myself really angry for um just like why did you flunk out of this like you know yeah. you're given this opportunity you fucked it up yeah. and i'll listen to this album like this album and ambient 2 a lot to get that equilibrium still sort of calm myself down so it's been really therapeutic music for me that's really 
helped me through a lot of my intense emotions, which I have a lot of. So yeah, yeah it's been really helpful for me that way. That's awesome. And um, it's interesting too, because yeah, like you, you get those feelings and those emotions in the absence of words. And to your point, in the absence of, you know, acoustical instruments. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. But you totally can, and you feel it, and I think you listen to something even like that song, and hopefully, you know, the listeners can hear it and feel some sort of connection as well. Um, but it, it's absolutely there, and, uh, you know, I talk about that in, in past episodes for myself. I'm not the lyrics person, so in theory, like, I should be able to connect more with ambient music because I'm not, I don't necessarily need the words to define it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, I mean, I'm a writer, but it's like, you know, if I want to, like, just intensely look at words, I have a million books on my bookshelf, yeah. Of course, yeah. yeah I mean, lyrics are important to me, but they're not everything to me. Yeah, yeah. no, I love that. Yeah. And I, there's, like, a sense of challenge, like an intellectual challenge almost of, listening to ambient music and trying to get that out of it um that obviously like it worked for you and Mm -hmm. uh you know hopefully people give that a chance and don't just dismiss it because they want to sing along (laughs) embrace learn to embrace the beauty let that sort of like overwhelming sort of almost uncomfortable beauty enter into your life you know you'll 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 thank yourself but don't go to a concert and then sing the electronic parts. Have you ever experienced uh, that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the worst. And you're like behind somebody at a show and you're like, and doing all the, like trying to mimic the hooks of the electronic. It's like, thank you. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, like it's funny you mentioned that because, um, I, like there's some, like bring this back into metal. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like if you've ever watched like, Iron Maiden perform in like Europe or South America. Like they're, they're, they mean they're probably here, but they're huge internationally and people will like show up (laughs) for them. Like people will like sing like the lead guitar parts, the guitar songs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, (laughs) I've never really seen any band that elicits that reaction. And that's, that I that I mean, that that's why I love music because it makes people yeah. act like that. Do, yeah. yeah, do crazy shit. Yeah, it's 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 amazing. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, that's funny. So, have you seen much ambient music live? Um, I'm trying to think. There's this one guy like Ulrich Schnoss I saw a long time ago, South mm-hmm. Vibe. I only saw like a couple songs from him, and like I mean, ambient music you have to be in a mood totally. for. Yeah, yeah. settings. Yeah, everything. Sure. Yeah, actually, there there is one memorable thing. Um, have you heard of the composer uh, William Bazinski? He um he he's he's a, he's a like another sort of like electronic composer. Um, mm-hmm. his main work is the disintegration loops. It's um I'll try and be brief about it. Yeah. No. In the eighties, he had recorded like some ambient music, and he just kind of like shelved it, and um, when, and then when he tried to, um, uh, like convert it, um, the tape was so worn that like, it would like disintegrate as, it, as it was being converted. And this was happening when 9-11 happened. Like he had an apartment in, in Brooklyn and he was like watching like the, the, the smoke coming up from the twin towers so it has that connection of, you know, it's music that is literally destroying itself. 
And it's it's in connection with one of the like huh. the worst things that's happened yeah. like on American soil. So it's it's one of those beautiful things I've ever heard in my life. But it's 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 a really just like it's too heavy even for me sometimes. You're gonna have to afterwards make sure you send me like spell that out for me because that sounds fascinating. Yes, and but yes, I have seen William Zinsky live. Like I was walking to the Contemporary Art Museum in Houston, mm-hmm. and he just so happened to be, he was going to be doing a show later that night. I was like, oh <laughs> shit, like that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I haven't seen a lot of ambient music live, but Bizinski was really memorable. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Very yeah. cool. And then it's not ambient music, but it's electronic music in the same vein. You are one of the, what, 10,000 people that saw Aphex Twin a couple weeks? Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, that, yeah. Aphex does have some um, uh, ambient works, like Selected Ambient Works Volume 2 is another just super gorgeous album. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, just, it's real minimal, even more so than this. Yeah. And his set was, yeah. His set was more like clubby, but like, you know, he was still fucking with everybody because he's right. Aphex Twin. It was, it was certainly a sight to behold. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I, I enjoyed your, uh, your write-ups on that. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Should we, uh, should we go to the next one? Yes. Although I will say yeah. the one final note yeah. is that I do consider Eno and Aphex on the same level of genius. And I don't mean that lightly. Yeah. Like, yeah, the legitimate that's like a bold musical, statement, but, yeah, legitimate um, like musical genius. I, I think that's a statement that you know educated people would not challenge. Sure. Yeah. I don't. I can't. I don't know enough about either of their respective categories to have an opinion, but that makes sense to me. Oh yeah. I like that. Trust me. Trust me. I'm <laughs> the ex- I'm the expert here, you heard right? It here first. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So we're gonna go to our last song here. Um, the song is called "Where You Rest Your Head at Night." And it's by Planning for Burial. So I'm just going to cue it up. Here we go.
planning for burial. Okay, I'll, so you know I always, I when especially when I don't know the bands, I always do like the Wikipedia search. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just to make sure I know how I can converse as well for the specifics on the songs. And this is the first time I can say that I've ever done one of these and done the Wikipedia. And lo and behold, who explains me in the Wikipedia article about the musician and the artist, but the quote was, according to Pitchfork critic Andy O'Connor, Tom Waslock of Planning for Burial filters post-metal, doom, ambient, and goth rock through his own terminally miserable lens. <laughs> I, love, I love being cited on Wikipedia. It, <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the few tangible signs that I've made. That it, is yeah. success, my friend. Dude. Yeah. No, I was, I was really excited to see that because I've, I feel like I've heard this name before. Like, do, have they played, has he played in Austin? Yes. Okay. And that's that. Yeah. The one time he's played in Austin, um, I'll, I'll get right to it. Yeah, let's do it. Let's yeah. Do it. Um, so, I where I live now, um, I live in a house with the band Street Sex. S S E C T S. Um they are a they're a local duo who um they they're like they're like electronic hardcore. Like it's it's got that sort of same intensity, like he's hardcore, but it's like totally like electronic and industrial and they're yeah. they're, 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 they're their live shows a like complete mind fuck. Um yeah. so before um before I was living there, um um my friend Tom planning for burial, he was um trying to book a tour. He was gonna book like his first extensive like US tour. Mm-hmm. He had mostly just done like West Coast and East Coast. He's based he was based in New Jersey for a long time, and now he is back in Pennsylvania. He's okay. from the Wilkes Bar area, um, and I had, um, and he um, really thrives in like house show settings and DIY settings. Yeah. Um, uh, his 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 music to me is very much about the intimacy of loneliness. Mm-hmm. So that those sort of settings like that you get from just being crammed into like a, just a house that maybe is might not stand up in the next year or so. Like it's, it's that he works with that sort of environment. Yeah. And I turned, turned around to my um, guys in street sex and they're really into it. And they had booked, they used to have shows at this house. They don't anymore. Snitch neighbors, but um, um, yeah. So they um, yeah they they booked um a show here, and um, I I've been following his music for a long time since I want to say two thousand nine. Mm-hmm. I had randomly found him on some sort of like. Um, like Russian like bootleg site <laughs> where is where um, you, you can find a lot of music um, of questionable legality you know shout out to Russian bootleg sites um, <laughs> yeah so I just found him randomly and I it, it was his album leaving which he had self-released it it's later been on some other labels um, but it was it was it was this really fascinating record. One, it the picture was just like of instruments. It wasn't of him at all. 
I didn't know if it was one person or if he was if the band was band multiple people. Yeah. yeah, it it had that sort of black metal mysteriousness, but with you know something different, and. Yeah, I've I've been a huge fan of his music, and I've really been wanting him to come down. And, um, yeah, that 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 show will forever remain like best shows I've ever been to in my it life. Was a house show, yes, at your house, yes. Well, before I lived there, okay. But yeah, yeah. But that that was a that, that show was really memorable for me because one, I was finally meeting someone who I been following for forever and generally admired i got to like meet him and like hang out with him and i was just like just inches away from him watching him like yeah. play and this is music that his had, element yeah like and like is music that has really meant a lot to me and is 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 it was it was it was like intimate but also huge like it felt like I was like, you know, at, you know, when Beatles played say a stadium right. or like, like you were a part of an event. Yes. I was part of this huge, this event that felt massive, but it was in a tiny house. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember like, I was so honored to, um, give him a shot of whiskey before he played. Like <laughs> I presented to him like ceremoniously, like that was, that was like a huge honor for me. Yeah. And he like, he thanked me on like, yeah, you know, yeah. and like, you know, on stage and he later thanked me further, you know, for like writing about him. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it was, it was just really cool that someone who I just looked up to, like, you know, I just like yeah. fucking hung out with song play. Like, you know, it is, yeah, it was super punk, but it was also just, just amazing. Yeah. Right. It's, that, that, that show really strongly, you know, resonates with me. And it's weird now that, that where that show happened is just now my living room. Yeah. Yeah. That's we, crazy. Yeah. It's, <laughs> like yeah you, it's, you go home to it every single day. I know. It's so like the every, memory just keeps getting. I was like, I was like, man, I, I saw Tom there, like, you know, where, you know, my cat's climbing on my roommate's <laughs> instruments. I saw Tom there. Like, yeah, that, yeah, that's, it was really, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that was really, really an awesome time. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you, I mean, you know, you, you've had these connections people like I always think back to you being a part of like Deaf Heaven's big year was it last year or the year before um, the spin story spin story was a uh, end of 2015 2015 yeah. yeah so you wrote the cover story for like the end of year yeah end of the year spin decided it was going to be Deaf Heaven and you wrote that you mm-hmm. get to like go on tour with them for I mean I just went to like the Austin and Dallas yeah team, but yeah but I mean, I, like still, hung out with them before yeah yeah we yeah. had pretty good rapper but I just I I admire that you've been good enough and beyond of what you do to where you've gotten to do that um but it's really cool to hear you talk about how it's not just like a job to you. Like you actually do really care. Yeah. You yeah. Connect with these guys and their music and respect. And even though, you know, you helped put, make that show happen, you were still the biggest fan probably. In the yeah. Audience. Like I was, so I, was, cool. I was totally fanboying now. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's yeah. Great. And yeah. I'm sure it meant a lot to him too. To oh, definitely. Yeah. He said like, that was like one of the best shows of the tour by yeah. far. Yeah. 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 He, he was like, He's like a huge street sex fan and That's the awesome. label the yeah, the label that he's on, the Flenser, uh-huh. he sort of like helped 
Street Sex gets signed to that oh, label. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah so he, you were like full circle. Yeah, was... yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 an intensely small world. Yeah. Yeah, this whole metal punk DIY thing. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. And, you know, think about that show too. Um, it, it sort of, it makes me sad a little bit because uh, um, you've heard about the, the ghost shit fire in Oakland. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and how DIY spaces are sort of getting shut down left and right as a result of that and that that's really that's just awful yeah like people need those spaces because um you know not not every bar is gonna let them play you know not every bar is gonna let you know their fans who may not be 21 yet there you know they may not be 21 yet like you know, people need like these these houses, these spaces to yeah. like you know develop what they're doing, like develop an audience, develop a connection. Like right. these these things are important. You know, in this like capitalist shit grind we live in, yeah. it's one of the most important things you can do for yourself is to find any sort of meaning in life. Yeah, even if you're just in a band part time, you don't play live or whatever. Even if you just you know paint, you know after work or you write you you've had this novel your work been working on for a million years or you like have this little garden you tend to or yeah. you're like my tyson yeah pigeons or whatever <laughs> like it is important to find just any sort of sliver of of meaning in life because yeah. if you don't have that what do yeah, you have to live right. for yeah there's a lot of shitty things happening all around you yeah right? yeah but, yeah uh, you, you need something to to latch on to and everybody latches on to something different and that's okay yeah yeah but it's important to have, to have that, that yeah. thing preferably creative but you know something that that gives you a sense of fulfillment in the face of everything else oh something too where there's not an explicit answer to like this is definitively right you know it's just like you question you explore and it becomes something that you define for yourself yeah it's just that yeah yeah the the oakland thing i mean that's a disaster because yeah, you just know that there's the knee-jerk reaction of people who have never experienced anything like that and want to say, well, here's the new rules. This is, you know, coming like that shit that happens is an accident. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's like, it's a, it's an environment that I am very much like, you know, like, you know, knowledgeable about like yeah. that kind of stuff is normal to me. Like, like a rundown DIY space. That's normal to me. That's yeah. not normal for a lot of people. And, you know, I mean, I've sort of based my life about, you know, just straying from, you know, the mainstream and, you know, like not having my normal be everybody else's normal, right. but it's, 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 a these spaces, you know, they, they foster, communities that we need and because they they bring so much through music through art that that shit is important just because it doesn't immediately produce any money if any doesn't mean it's not valuable in fact it can be valuable for that reason that's not commercial yeah like we need shit like that to you know realize how important life is and that it's that it's worth living yeah. Well, you're, yeah, you're continuing to explore what you want to get out of life through a space like that. It's exactly, yeah. There's this one space that closed that I'd actually been to. It was Rhinoceropolis in Denver. Yeah. I don't know that one. Yeah, it's... um, 
Yeah, it was, it was a space, like a warehouse space. Um, I saw Wolves in the Throne Room there when I was oh, living cool. out in Boulder. Yeah. Yeah, and that electronic musician Picture Plane, he lived out. He lived in mm. that space when he was living in Denver. And, yeah, I mean, that's that's another electronic music I re- really like. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's just the fact that these spaces are getting shut down, it's, it's a crisis. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is a it is a true true crisis. I mean, to me, like I'm all about awareness of look, like when you enter into one of those places, be aware of your surroundings, be aware of the risks you're taking, and seek to make ways to make it safer and be smarter about it. But you know, like inevitably things can go wrong. It doesn't mean that you have to shut the entire thing down. Yeah, and it's, 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 or it's, provide it's, an, it's or provide not, an alternative. Yeah, it's it's not it's not the tenant's fault. Um it's being shitty landlords who won't right. like keep up with, you know, and if they anyone pipes up they threaten to like evict them or like turn into Connors or something. Yeah. It's it's a lot for a lot of them it's finding beauty and make the best out of, you know, less than ideal surroundings. Yeah. 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 That's hard. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's scary when something like that happens. Obviously it's tragic. Um, you hope it raises positive awareness for people that can connect and latch onto that positive awareness and figure out a way to continue it in a different light in a good way. Um, yeah, but but most people don't get it. Like yeah. most people just most people they don't. thought of it as a rave, and it it, it, it wasn't a like it a rave. Definitely not a rave. No, it's yeah, it's because because that term like still has a lot of negative connotations. Yeah, tons of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you know kids doing like Molly and all that. No, that's not what was happening. People. It was a group of kids who didn't feel like that they got along with you know the rest of the world. They all found unity, and that they're like you know they're having a good time. And, yeah. Things just end up fucked up because, you know, people don't appreciate that. Landlords don't appreciate that. Yeah, it's... Yeah, that's too bad. Um, yeah, it's a complex situation, really. It's sad. Yeah. Do you have anything you want to add to, to that song in particular? Um, I mean, I love Tom, honestly. He's yeah. he's, he's one of my... How did you, like... So you mentioned you kind of had found him. How did, how did you connect with him prior to him coming down here for that show? Was it through writing about him or? Yeah, I wrote about him. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote about him and he found out somehow we like communicated over the years. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you, you do connect with a number of musicians in that way just through that and then it becomes beyond just the initial purpose? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. And that's really, yeah, that's, to me, that's really validating for, for you as, as a person and what um, what you do and the musicians as well that you like, it's nice to know that there's that connection that yeah. they open up. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really it, yeah, it, it's really meaningful. Yeah, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. And this writing gig can be pretty grueling, but I wouldn't trade it for yeah. anything. That's really cool. It's good stuff. Yeah, I would encourage everyone listening to uh, just do a Google search of Andy O'Connor uh, and just read his reviews because yeah i think you bring a really good perspective uh that's different you have your own voice it's obvious when you're reading an andy o'connor piece uh yeah that that's that thank you thank you yeah. <laughs> are you still doing your blog um with the vinyl follow me please yes yes yeah. so i do have a um monthly word, yeah monthly column. metal yeah. column called vinyl me please yeah 
It's a, uh, it, it's, it's on Follow Me, please. It's called Death Forever. Mm-hmm. It's a continuation of a column I used to have on Pitchfork called right. Hell Awaits. Right. I would just seek out just, just, just a roundup of what's going on in metal. Yeah. And doing that every month is like really fun. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Covering big releases, covering like obscure tapes that I just found on Bandcamp. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun to do. Um, I do still write for Pitchfork. Um, uh, just plugging myself for a little bit. I've also yeah, been please. in Billboard, Spin, as you mentioned earlier, yeah. Noisy, Decibel, Bandcamp, um, lots of places. Yeah. Yeah. So find me. One of my favorite memories of Andy, uh, you mentioned writing for Noisy, which is. Is Noisy, is, is it affiliated with Vice? Is it owned by Vice? Is it the same thing? It's Vice's Music Vertical. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. yeah. So Vice's Music Vertical, Noisy. It was like probably like four or five years ago. We were at the Vice party at South by on the last night. This was so, this, yo, this is before, this is before I was like really writing for, this is like before like Brandon Stosi put me on for Pitchfork. Like this is before yeah. anything, which shouts out to Brandon, man. He's really helped me a That's lot. Awesome. He, he kicked off things for me in my career. That's awesome. Anyway, yo, okay. So this, this show, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah. I would love to hear your retelling of this. Okay. So we'll close on this story. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Vice used to have these really crazy parties during South by back in the day and they would be really raucous like I heard like a balcony fell on one this party yeah I, I don't I think know that was the year before so it's just progressive yeah yeah so they there's all this expectation that oh man she's gonna pop off and like it's like it's gonna be fucking lit anyway so yeah so there was Adam where fair market is now um it was like some like little hangar and that's where they had the vice party 2012 that the after party and the the lineup was trash talk asap rocky and another band who i don't remember who never got to play which i'll explain in a minute um so and there was a open bar of pbr and vodka so i was smashing it back kicked off by the way at like 2 a.m yeah it was really late yeah so i was like smashing vodka red bulls and i was fucking hammered like i there <laughs> I may have been a couple times i've been more drunk than I, as drunk like i was shit hammered so trash talk they do their thing like they're about the crowd getting like super hype you know big circle pits like you they're know throwing pe- like full trash cans full trash cans into the air <laughs> yeah and like all the full. trash coming down on people's heads like. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah throwing trash cans you know people launching themselves you know throwing like, shit at the band on stage yeah yeah with no guarantee that they won't hit their head on concrete right. um you know band members will like climb on speakers and stuff yeah the bassist hey. climbed on the hanging like yes. speaker set which, yes and just swung and you know the sound guy was just like you better get the fuck off of yeah. that speaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Trash Talk got everybody pretty hyped to say the least. And combined with a endless open bar. ASAP. Which doesn't make any sense because it's past 2 a.m., which legally you can't serve. Yeah, but, but you know, you know, you know what? You know what? Yes, but yeah, yeah, who gives a shit? Um so <laughs> ASAP comes on and he's not particularly sounding great. And um, we're all like, I'm like gone at this point. Like, I am so fucking drunk. And I was like, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be like, yeah, you know, all that. And at some point, 
ASAP. Just for the record, like we both love ASAP. Like we were really excited to see him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. remember when Purple Stuff came out? That was the jam. Oh, man. Yo, yeah. shout out to 2011, man. That was like forever a good ago. year, man. Yeah. So ASAP tries to fight somebody in the crowd. Like, I don't know what, like, had happened. Well, no, what what happened was the whole show... Okay, so maybe you're too drunk to tell this story properly. <laughs> I am. I am. I was pretty fucking hammered. Well, basically, like, the, from the beginning of the show, the Trash Talk fans, who did this to Trash Talk as well, so it wasn't personal. It wasn't like they don't like... Like, there's actually a big overlap between Trash Talk fans and rap fans. Yeah. Um, and um, Trash Talk was like affiliated with Odd Feature for a while. Totally, yeah. yeah. And that yeah. was a year when Odd Feature was like, you know, the, the Kool-Aid yeah. expression. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyways, I'm digressing. Uh, they were throwing like beers and water bottles and stuff at ASAP and his like 20 man crew on stage. And throughout the show, like ASAP or one of his other crew members, would, and I guess you're supposed to say Rocky now because they're all ASAPs. But yeah, yeah. Um, they, uh, they would like stop or make comments like stop throwing shit at us on stage and everything. And there was the reason why he goes into fight is because um, somebody threw a water bottle at him and they stopped the song and he gets on the mic and like a security guard comes out to like tell like whisper something to ASAP and he's like, all right, man, we're just here to have a good show. We're here to have fun. We're here to play music and enjoy it. Just please if one more person throws one more thing at this stage, then I and before he could finish his thought, somebody threw, <laughs> somebody threw a water bottle. He's, he's egging him right on, at him, and whether he knows it or not. Literally, as soon as that bottle hit his face, I've never seen anything like this in person. He like leaps into the audience with like a total like his arms are flailing, swinging punches as he's jumping into the crowd. And then the moment that he hits the crowd, his entire crew of like 20 people also jump into the crowd and all out brawl ensues. Yeah. And the cops came and that show got <laughs> shut down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like people, were, I saw people like getting like, I think you were up close for a while and I was like, I can't, I can't hang with the trash talk crowd at three in the morning with an open bar. So I was kind of back and there were some tables in the back row and I was standing on them. So I had a nice view of everything. Yeah. yeah. And then that starts happening. And then you start to wander to the back once the fight starts and we're just like, Oh shit. Can you believe this? They were watching and like dudes are getting like thrown onto the ground and like kicked on the ground. And I mean, it was intense. Yeah. That was the most most violence I'd ever witnessed personally. Yeah. That that was, yeah, that was not a joke. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. The cops came, shut it down. I think his whole crew got arrested that night. I think they later walked like the next morning or something. Yeah. It was like a big press thing the next day. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was a shit show. <laughs> um, did I ever tell you about the time that I was within proximity of moshing with Frank Ocean? No. Okay. So, um, Iron Age, probably the greatest awesome band of all time was doing like one of their reunion shows. They play shows every now and then. Um, it was, I think it was with Trash Talk. This was like later in 2012 when I'd actually moved back to Austin. With uh, It was with, yeah, it was with, like, no, Power Trip wasn't on there. Trash Talk just shouted out Power Trip. But yeah, it was Power, like, no. <laughs> Iron Age and Trash Talk. Yeah. And, you know, it was pretty wild. You know, big ass circle pit, you know, people launching themselves and whatnot. And 
so like yeah like i was saying like trash talk was affiliated with odd future for a while and okay so allegedly <laughs> um this is when like frank ocean got his grammy nod uh, and yeah. he was like super sad and someone from his crew was like yo man you know this band Iron Age from Austin's playing, you know, this is the joint. So evidently Frank Ocean flew in for that show and he gets into the pit, he's moshing everybody, then he just bounces, goes back to California afterward. <laughs> just for that one show. Yes. Yes. That's, that's, wild. that's how good Iron Age is. That's why that Frank fucking Ocean just flew in exclusively for that mosh. show and got, <laughs> got lit. Yeah. I hope, man, I hope that. You get the chance to interview Frank Ocean at some point. Really? Ask him about. Oh, I should. Yeah, yeah. I would be fascinated to hear his take on that. I still really listen to Blonde. Don't tell my peers that. (laughs) You do or you don't? I don't. I don't. I haven't listened to it yet. That's fair. Uh, You should. It's great. Actually, they uh, for Black Friday they sold the record for twenty four. You know, the big vinyls. Like I love vinyls. Yeah. You know that's snobbish. I know, but um, you know they sold it for one day uh-huh. on Black Friday and I got a copy that sold out pretty quick. Whoa. I just got it yesterday so I was listening to it again last night. Okay. It's, right. uh, you should listen to it. It's, uh, I will. It's a good one. It's I will. Um, cool. Well, I think we're we're about at that time. We had some little bonus stories tacked on there. Yep, the end, yep, yep. Fuck it. I'm not cutting them. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Listening. They're great stories. You're a good yeah. dude. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm 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 extra, you know. Like I'm always a little <laughs> bit extra, so I gave you all extra, man. Like, That's right. Ten out of ten, baby. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am doing the most. <laughs> I love it. Hey man, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks uh, for listening to maybe me. Maybe we'll do a part two. Get those next. Oh one. yeah. I can do part two, part three, like <laughs> part six. I don't know. Yeah, let's fucking do it. Good stuff. All right. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We'll uh we'll have more soon. Memory tracks. See ya.